prison and half can Oh God! Daddy, stay on your bike! Dude, burning and you don't want to turn around anymore and you know if somebody now attacks you're going to be like blown out of the water but you just go no i just keep going just keep going tied on the inside it's this solo on the barriers oh what about that now then everybody i am tom ramsey and welcome to the edge coaching podcast this podcast will provide a clear insight into the world of athletic performance and help provide a clear, relatable understanding into subject areas revolving training, nutrition, stress, psychology, and much, much more. Without further ado, let's begin. Hello, and welcome to the Edge Coaching Podcast, episode number 34, I believe. This podcast is about how to lose weight. Um, it is without a doubt a very uneducated topic and by discussions with many of my clients, by discussions with many people that I know in the cycling and fitness industry, um, it's very much a topic which a lot of people get wrong. Um, and there's definitely a lot of misinformation out there and I hope to dispel some of that misinformation today and give you a really good clear insight into the things that you need to know, the things that you don't need to know and um, and kind of give you the basics behind um, you know the, the most important aspects to to believe in and, and to follow if you are trying to, to kind of start a weight loss journey. Now, recently I put on my Instagram stories a little poll on what you wanted the latest podcast to be, um, and that was either a podcast on weight loss or a podcast on hydration. And I had about a 60-40 split, which most of you suggesting you wanted to one of these weight loss uh, podcasts. Now, interestingly, a lot of the people who did vote for a weight loss topic um, were people admittedly that probably needed to lose a little bit of weight but there was a lot of people on there which didn't necessarily need to lose a lot of weight and and if anything in my opinion we could probably do to gain a little bit of weight that being said um, I think one of the first questions that comes to mind and, and I appreciate that a lot of people might have been interested in this subject area even if they don't want to lose weight themselves they just want to know a little bit more about it one of the first questions that comes to mind and I want people to consider is do you actually need to lose weight in the first place? Now, obviously this is a very important topic and something that I want you to really consider very carefully before you just think I need to lose weight because cycling is one of those sports, one of those disciplines where um, I think people definitely tend to get hung up over the um, over the whole weight loss um conundrum and um and immediately always think that they are heavier than they should be they always think that they can get leaner they always think that they can get lighter and there's this constant constant strive to be um you know five percent body fat ultra 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 stick thin lean individual when actually probably about half of the cyclists out there, if not 60-70% of the cyclists in the UK, um, would have much better better performance um, characteristics if they didn't focus on that whatsoever and actually they focus just on cycling performance in terms of getting the power up on the bike and forgetting about um, being conscious about what they're eating. Now, so yeah, the first question you need to ask yourself is, do you actually need to lo lose weight? Because not all weight loss is good weight loss. Um, so, uh, you know, if you, um, for example, if you are a 80 kilogram crit racer um, and all you do is town center crits and pan flap car park crits around your local area, your local race scene, um, and you are 80 kilos, then um, realistically, if you were to drop to 70 kilos, and let's just, you know, uh, let's just put out there that 80 kilos is a, 
relatively normal physique, um, you know, fairly lean, um, maybe around 15 to 20% body fat for, uh, for, for most males. Um, if you were around that kind of, those kind of numbers and you're pushing good, pushing good powers, you're training really hard, um, and you decide one year to really, really strip back the fat and lose a lot of body weight, and you go down to 73 kilos the next year, what you'll have ultimately done there is, yes, you'll have um, in, you know, lost a lot of body weight and potentially have increased your power to weight ratio. The, the crucial term there is potentially, you may not have done anyway, you may have sacrificed too much power for that. But what you will have done is, is, is ultimately you'll have, you will have lost a lot of absolute power. I'm almost certain of it. And the question you've got to ask yourself is, for the type of racing that I'm going to be doing, is losing a lot of that absolute power for a benefit of potentially a little bit higher power to rate ratio for that kind of discipline are going to be a benefit um in that scenario a pan flat a pan flat um circuit race um i would argue that there's no benefit at all um and and actually a, a bigger um absolute value a bigger um, absolute power in that scenario would be a better performance benefit similarly if all you race is 10 mile time trials then again i would argue that actually having a bigger um absolute power on the bike um, as a bit of a sacrifice to potentially body weight and power to weight ratio would be um, a, a more favorable position to be in than to knock off maybe you know 20 watts off your absolute um, 20 minute power um, for, for a, lesser, a lesser body weight. Um, you have to consider these things. Now Obviously, if the type of racing you're going to be doing is very lumpy um, and, you know, you're going to be finishing at the top of climbs, you're going to be um, doing multiple ascents up steep, long climbs in road races, then you need to be considering um, considering uh, different things than what I've just talked about. Um, but, but I guess that's the first big question that you need to be asking yourself. Do I need to be losing weight? Um, and and the critical thing that I want to get across for this podcast is no. You don't necessarily always need to be losing weight. Um, there will be something, some people listening to this podcast where you know, you absolutely are certain you need to lose weight. You you may be uh, able to reach down, grab um, a big handful of fat from your belly. Um, and if you can do that, then ultimately, yeah, there's, there's some fat mass to get rid of. Um, but the ideal weight for you is, is partly subjective. Um, I would go on the um, the kind of um, attitude that your optimal cycling weight is the, the the weight in which you have the best power to weight ratio, but without compromising your health, performance, or energy levels. And I won't go too much into this story because I have done it in a previous co podcast, but I have been personally on both ends of the spectrum um roughly five or six years ago at six foot two believe it or not i get i got down to 68 kilos and without a doubt um although i was climbing fairly all right at that weight um i felt horrific and my racing performance was horrific and I know I was compromising my health, I know I was compromising my energy levels, my recovery and my performance with it. And I know that wasn't a good healthy weight to race at. Now, you know, and that is a classic example that the lightest weight that you can get to and the leanest you can get to is not going to be the best weight for you. And um, since then, the year after I raced at about 75 kilos, the year after that I raced at about 76, 77 kilos. Um, and the year after that, I raced at about 80 kilos. Now, I think my best race weight now, after trialing all of those different rate weights, for most, and, and I must underline that, um, that word, for most races, I think my, my ideal race weight is about 76 to 77 kilos. Having said that, again, this is only personal, 
If I'm doing some crits, if I'm doing pan flat races or pan flat mountain bike races, then I know that I race better at a bit heavier than that. I race better at about 80 kilos. And there's been years when I've raced at about 83, 84 kilos, and I know that's a little bit heavy. Now, that's not heavy in terms of fat mass, usually. That's just heavy because I've done a lot more strength training in the months leading up to that weight. Um, but yeah, it's one of those, you know, with the with the heavier body weight comes comes typically more absolute power. Now, again, you might be listening to this podcast thinking, I'm 10 kilos over where I need to be. I've got a lot of fat mass. I need to get rid of that. And this is, this podcast is some, you know, very directed at you. It's directed at those people who are listening to this thinking, yeah, it's great you've said that, Tom. That's great for you. <laughs> but I'm listening to this thinking, and I'm, I know I've got weight to lose. Um, whether that be 10 kilos, 15 kilos, or five kilos. Um, you've got weight to lose and it's just not coming off. You've tried or you feel like you've tried everything. I was talking to a pot, um, one of my clients only the other day and listening to what he eats during the day and listening to what he does, you would think, you know, how how are you, how have you kind of got, you know, this, this extra fat mass that you want to get rid of because your diet sounds spot on. It doesn't actually seem, sound like you eat a lot anyway. So what what's the problem? Why is it not coming off? You know, he, he tends not to drink. He tends not to have any um, treats. He tends not to have any um, kind of quote unquote naughty foods and, and his portion sizes sound to be fairly reasonable. So in that scenario, if you are one of those people, you know, what, what can you do? What do you need to consider? This podcast is directed at you. Now, before I go into that, I'll just give you a bit of a background story because <laughs> um, it is very relevant to the podcast, I think, and, uh, and a bit of a funny one, actually. Um, so it is Saturday today, Saturday the 19th of March, and um, the last three days, um, well, the, the two days, I guess, on, I'm trying to think on a timeline, what day was it? Tuesday, Wednesday this week, I had a stomach bug and I lost four kilos in two days. Um, I won't give you, go into the full ins and outs, but I spent two full days on the toilet. Um, and because of that, obviously didn't eat a great deal. I think on the first day that I was ill, I managed to just about stomach a piece of toast for my evening meal. Um, but I'm pretty sure that just went straight through me. And on the second day, um, I managed to, or I thought I could manage a little bit more. So I had um, some very small portion of porridge for breakfast um, and uh, a sandwich for lunch. But then I had that sandwich, and that set me off again. So, um, so yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't great. You know, I was trying to eat as simple as I could. I, I mean, it was you know for someone who has a fairly extravagant diet normally, um, I was trying to eat as simple as I possibly could for that second day, um, just to give my digestive system kind of the, the best possible opportunity of, of actually assimilating that food. But it, it, it yeah, it was just <laughs> it was just um, not working. It was setting me off again. So I, I lost four kilos in two days just, just out of um, uh, shit myself <laughs> loads. <laughs> um, and it was, not, it was not a pleasant experience. Um, day three, uh, it turned into like loads of bloating and just like my stomach was just in bits all, the whole time. Um, obviously, I've been drinking fl- loads of fluids and only, I think now is day four after I first got it, um, which is my first proper day where I'm actually managing to eat normal Um, but obviously I'm kind of way on the back foot now I've got absolutely bugger all energy I've ridden the past two days but um, both rides have been really compromised like hardly any energy whatsoever and uh, yeah I would not recommend that as a weight loss strategy Um, it's um, it's ruthless and to be fair that's probably one of the 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 first stomach bugs like that I've ever had in my life so I've I've dodged a bullet there and I've done pretty well up until now Um, whenever I mean I've I've never I never get um, I never get I never have vomiting um, it always comes out the other end when I get a stomach bug, um, and and thus yeah, I, I, I've lost a lot of weight over the past couple of days. Um, 
it turned out I did go into quite a bit of detail there, so <laughs> I'll move on swiftly from that. Um, but it's yeah, fairly relevant that you know when we talk about weight loss, uh, you know, if someone says you know it's really hard to lose weight, it's not hard to lose weight. You just don't eat for a few days it suddenly drops off you. And if you really want to <laughs> lose weight, get a stomach bug. There's a very short a shortcut for you. But what is difficult is losing weight well. And that's the key point. This podcast is not just about how to lose weight. It's how to li- lose weight well, the right way, I guess. Because, um, and it's, a good, you know, it's one of the key points that I'll get af- across right at the start. Losing weight too quickly is not a good way of doing it. Um, I mean, my example just there about getting a stomach bug, that's obviously a very extreme way of putting it. But um, losing weight even by, you know, cutting out calories and not eating much um, for a few weeks at a time is not a good way of doing it. Not only because it's not going to last very long like that, but also because it'll massively compromise your performance, your well-being, your home, your hormones, um, how you sleep, um, and obviously your recovery from different sessions as well. So there's a few key points that you need to consider going forward. Um, but um, yeah, one of the first kind of key points that you need to consider on that is you need to make sure that you don't set unrealistic goals. Um, And it's funny, like before this podcast, I was doing a little bit of research um, and trying to kind of piece together some key points. And in doing so, um, I typed into Google, just out of curiosity, um, how to lose weight. And it's funny, when you type those those terms into Google, how to lose weight, Google tries to autofill the rest of the sentence with um, other, other, other words. And it tried to autofill that sentence with fast. It's tried to autofill it with how to lose weight fast, how to lose weight in a week, how to lose weight in two weeks, and so on. And it's very evident that people want these things too quickly, which is unrealistic. And it's not conducive to health and wellness, nor the ability to retain that weight loss over a long period of time. As a general rule of thumb, for most people, I would expect no weight loss to be faster than around 300 to 500 grams per week. So about half a kilo a week. Now, if you're a very light individual, say sub 65 kilos, and you want to kind of lose a little bit of stubborn belly fat, then you may need to lose weight slower than this. And if you are twice this weight with loads of fat everywhere on your body, then then you are likely and and will be able to lose weight quicker than this. But remember, and it's a very key point, that 200 grams weight loss every week for a year is always going to be better than one kilogram of for four weeks and then stopping, um, you know, as you feel awful and just can't hap, hack it. Another key point here um, after after that kind of not setting unrealistic goals is to very, be very careful of social media advice. And this is one, I guess, one reason why I wanted to really put out this podcast is because there's a lot of advice out there out there which is definitely definitely wrong advice and for the misinformed person who who doesn't know or for the the uneducated person in this subject area who wouldn't know it's very easy for them to get kind of pulled into this now the issue with social media just to give you a kind of bit of a background is that everyone and anyone with very little knowledge can get in front of a camera or get in front of a microphone and talk absolute bullshit about a certain weight loss hack, then because people like the look of how simple it is, they will click on it and they will watch it. So for example, if there's a a video that comes out, which is something like, um, you know, lose 10 kilos in a week, it's a very catchy title. It's a very 
catchy um clickbaity kind of um thing which gets people in and and people out oh my god 10 kilos in a week that's ridiculous i want that i want that and people always want the now people want something quick they don't want to have to go in for the long long haul so anyone can put that and they can pull people in and they can make people click on it and make people watch it now people will um people call a video like that and then they'll watch it and it will get liked and it'll get shared across the community of people and this is why the fitness industry is so flawed because bad advice typically gets shared around the community a lot quicker than good advice and a, and a classic example is the whole kind of squeeze of the lemon in glass water crap and so on you know someone says oh you know if you squeeze a little bit of lemon um into a glass of water in the morning and have that before breakfast it'll do something special to your metabolism and mean that you'll just burn through fat throughout the rest of the day or some bollocks like that now people will be led to believe that because it sounds amazing and then they'll you know they'll click on a video which says that and they'll they'll follow it um it's the same as you know what i eat in a day video you look at someone who's got some abs um on a video um who loves tents in their abs in a video and and wants to say that if you this is what i eat in a day and if you follow what i eat then you're going to get abs <laughs> then people that don't have abs will will love that idea um whereas someone like me who's looking at that video will think yeah that may or may not work for you um also probably the other special juice that you're on might work for you as well but also that might not work for everyone else so leave it out don't try and sell it to anyone else and it really infuriates me when people i see videos like that now what rather than listening to um rubbish advice like that what people should really be focusing on is what is crucial um now people need to understand that it's important to be aware of the term energy balance and of generally of what calories are. Now, a calorie deficit is required to lose weight over a period of time, meaning that you must consume less calories in the form of food and drink than you expend in exercise and everyday tasks, living and breathing. And before 40-year-old Linda starts ranting off at me saying, it's not as easy as eat less and do more, just pipe down for a second because that's not exactly what I'm saying here anyway. But you must understand that whatever fad diet you choose to follow, which is there to elicit weight loss, the sole purpose is to create a calorie deficit. If it's intermittent fasting, calorie deficit. If it's low carb, it's calorie deficit. Obviously, intermittent fasting, you know, forget all the friggin', you know, fat metabolizing stuff. You are cutting out an, a proportion of the whole day when you're not eat, when you're eating. You are not eating for whatever it might be, 16 hours, whichever whichever type of intermittent fasting method. You are not physically going to be able to eat that amount of food in that small window of opportunity. That is how you're losing weight. If it's low carb, you're losing weight apart from the retention of water from that initial um, thing because you're cutting out a massive food group. Um you know, it's all leading to um, a calorie deficit at the end of the day. That is the kind of foundation of weight loss. And if, if, if people don't understand that whole concept, then you're never going to lose weight. So you need to understand that, generally speaking, you need to cut out calories. Now, just to put that at a really, really basic level, a really basic level, if you listen to this podcast at the minute, eat the same thing every day you let's say you have had the same meals every single day for the past three years and you have maintained the same body weight every day for the last three years unrealistic i know but let's just say that for example and in your day in that that day that you've been doing 
at three o'clock in the afternoon, you have two cookies because you enjoy those cookies. You need those cookies. You need those cookies to get through the day and to kind of put up with the crap that you get from the office. If you cut out one of those cookies, which equals about 150 calories, for example, and everything else stays the same, so you still eat the same for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you just have one cookie instead of two cookies, you still do the same amount of exercise, you still do the same amount of walking, you will gradually lose weight because you've been the same body weight every single day for so long. So you've been in a net, a net balance for, the, for all this time, and now suddenly you're at 150 calorie deficit. Although it's a fairly small deficit, you'll start to lose weight gradually. And people need to understand that concept. You don't need to be doing ridiculous um, fatty diets in order to lose weight. It's not about that. It's about creating a very small calorie deficit over a long period of time, which will which will give you that um, that weight loss. Now, the basics. Energy is the fuel of life. Calories are needed for growth. Calories are needed for development and the functioning of all normal body processes, such as breathing, such as digesting food, such as, um, you know, energy metabolism. And those kind of processes take up about 60 to 70% of the the calories that we consume. So 60 to 70% of the calories that we consume are utilized, used by growth development and the functioning of normal body processes. And this is called our basal metabolic rate. Um, Now 10% of the calories left, 10% of the calories we consume, sorry, roughly, is used for digesting, ingesting, and storing food. And there's a little side point there that protein, when you consume protein, it takes a little bit more of a demand to digest and assimilate protein than it does to the other macronutrients. So that is why having a fairly high protein diet for someone who's trying to lose weight is a fairly good thing. Because um, again, it essentially... In a very simple term, it, it, it burns more calories, let's say, as you're, as you're digesting it, as you're eating it. Now, the, the final 20 to 30% of the calories in which we consume is used for physical activity. Um, it's distributed to, towards physical activity. And that can be broken down into um, two other segments, which are non-exercise activity thermogenesis, so um, NEA, which is things like talking, which is things like walking, which is things like moving around, putting the kettle on, um, walking up the stairs, you know, t- picking up your glass of water, um, plugging in your laptop, you know, anything which you wouldn't class as exercise, but is activity would be used. Um, obviously, you need calories for those kind of functions. And the, and the other, what's left is obviously our training, our racing, which is called EAT, which is exercise activity thermogenesis. So like I say, training. Now, obviously, if you're on a massively hard training session for three or four hours, the calorie demand for that kind of training session will be quite high. You might be burning 3,400 calories um, in a massive training ride. Well, then obviously the percentage of, of that will be very high. Um, you will still be burning the same amount for all those normal bodily functions. So for example, um, a 25-year-old male may, may, has a, may have sorry a basal metabolic rate calories of 2,000 calories. Let's say, for example, for every single person, it's different. And there's many online calculators that you can use to work that out. Um, Or if you're not too sure how to work that out, ask me and I'll let you know. Um, Once you've kind of got your basal metabolic rate, let's say that's 2000 calories, just arbitrary number. um, Then 
And again, part of that is for digesting, ingesting, and storing food. Then we need to work out, okay, well, how many calories do you need for your for the rest of the day? If you're on a rest day and you're literally sat on the sofa all day, it won't be much more than that 2,000 calories. Um, if you know, if you've got to, you've got to consider also what you did the previous day's exercise because a certain amount of calories will still be from recovering from that previous day's exercise. But compare that rest day where you may only need, for example, 2,250 calories. Compare that to a day where you're doing four hours on the bike, where you're fueling a, a huge ride. You may need an extra 2,000 calories on top of your basal metabolic rate. So therefore, that day you'll be consuming 4,000 calories in order to fuel that work required. Now, what I'd argue is that as an athlete, who may have certain rest days in the week, but who may have certain long rides in a week and may have certain short rides in a week, those calories don't actually, from a day-to-day -day perspective, vary that much. So for example, for me, I know that on average, I have about 3,200 calories a day, personally. And that is fairly average in a day. Now, obviously, it will go up a little bit more for those long ride days, but it doesn't dip down that much either for the rest days. You know, my basal metabolic rate might be only 2,300 calories, but I don't just have 2,300 calories, 2,400 calories on a rest day because I am recovering on those rest days as well. I am also fairly active on those rest days. So it's not just a case of eat for the performance all the time. Often it's, it's fairly balanced throughout the week, which is a, a key point. Um, one thing I am going to say in this podcast is that, you know, I'm going to give you enough information here, but also nutrition for performance is a very key aspect of my coaching package. And I don't want to let on too much here. So I'm giving you a lot of free information here, but I'm also going to keep you guessing for some of it. So <laughs> because otherwise you'd be out of a job. <laughs> Take a sip of my drink. Okay, so if that's the kind of the basics and if that's the, the crucial parts to it, the training itself is not the crucial part to losing weight. And if you thought you were going to listen to this podcast about how to lose weight and think I'm going to tell you oh yeah, you need to ride your bike three, three hours a day every day. You're in the wrong place. Because I think that personally, if your only goal, and I, and I will make that clear, if your only goal is to lose weight, the training is not what you should be focusing on. The training is a place to get fitter and stronger and not to focus on the amount of calories you have supposedly burnt. When you go into a session, you need to fuel right for the session. You don't want to be thinking about how many calories you're burning. For most people, losing 5 to 10 kilograms is easily accomplished without stepping foot into the gym or stepping on a turbo trainer or going out on a bike. Back in my years as a personal trainer, as an example, I used to have a 52-year-old client um, who wanted to lose a little bit of weight. Um, and all I gave her in terms of some advice to start her off was a daily step target and a calorie target. She only exercised two days a week, which was completely voluntary or at her own will. And she lost a lot of weight. She she lost, um, like, she hit a target, basically. She wanted to lose six kilos, and she did. Um, and all I gave her was a step target and a calorie target. That's all I gave her. You know, she she came to me expecting me to, to be putting her through a, a ruthless training program, and, and I didn't. And I promise, honestly, and, I, and, I, and I'm st I stand true to what I'm saying there, I do not think, and it infuriates me, actually, a little bit of a side point, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but it actually infuriates me. When I go to the gym, 
um, and do one of my sessions, and I really don't hope to offend anyone here. When I go to the gym and do one of my sessions, and I'm you know striving for performance and I'm lifting weights and so on and so forth, progressive overload, blah blah blah, and I see people cut certain people come to the gym, which not that I'm looking out for them, not that I focus in on them, but certain people who are overweight, you know, very evidently overweight. I do not think the gym is the place for majorly overweight people. And the reason for that is I see them coming in. I see them, you know, driving to the gym, arriving in their car. They've probably driven about two miles, whatever it might have been. Arriving in their car and they do, you know, an hour of training in the gym they might go on the treadmill for a bit walking they might go on the cross trainer for a bit they might lift some weights um they leave they drive home and they genuinely think and and, and this i'm not going to tie everyone with the same knot here and i'm sure i'm sure there's a lot of people there's other people with a different mindset but i think a lot of them will think that's my um that's my exercise done for the day you know that that's me sorted and they may think that by doing that every day, burning a certain amount of calories in the gym, quote unquote, burning calories, is my way of, 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 of finding that weight loss. My attitude towards it for those type of people would actually be, it needs to be more of a lifestyle change. It's not about not going to the gym before and now going to the gym, burning 300 calories in the gym and thinking that's going to make, lose the weight. When actually, to be brutally honest, if they walked that two miles to the gym, turned around, walked back, they'd probably burnt just as many calories. <laughs> and they can save on the 25 quid a month, 30 quid a month, whatever it might have been. They wouldn't have all of the sh sh potential shame that they've got by being in the gym, uh, which I know that a lot of people suffer with, um, and, um, you know, and feel very... Um, you know, in that intense environment that they don't enjoy, they wouldn't have to have a shower in the back, you know, um, they'd save on the on the driving around, they'd save on the gym membership. If they did that walk, they thought a little bit more critically about what they're eating in the day. And also they kept accountable to their step target. They walked to the shop instead of driving to the shop. And they just became a little bit more active in their lifestyle. I think it would be a much better change in their in their position. Now, again, by no means am I tying everyone with the same knot there, but the, the general kind of theme that I'm getting across there is that if your if your main goal or your first goal is is just weight loss and you don't care about performance, then the training is not where you should be looking. It's your lifestyle that you should be looking. It's things like, how can I um, reduce my daily calorie intake by a little bit? You know, take out a couple of biscuits here. How can I reduce this little port, this this portion of breakfast down a little bit? You know, oh, four slices of toast for a morning is 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 too much. Let me just cut that down to three slices of toast and so on. Um, whilst also increasing the amount of steps we do in a day and just generally leaving a leading a more active lifestyle and suddenly there'll be a quite a big shift in, in weight loss um and it's about thinking more about it's thinking more about movement as opposed to training and the way i see it taking the stairs or walking up the escalator instead of standing still is exercise which is what we should all be doing and we're, but we're placing too, placing too far too much emphasis and, and importance on this this tr this kind of training uh, word, um, and that's why you know a lot of PTs have jobs. You know, um, overweight people come to a PT and say, "I want to lose ten kilos." If that PT said, "Oh, actually, love, you're probably best not coming in the gym. You know, turn around, go back out, go for a long walk every day," then they wouldn't have a job. So the PT will say, "Yeah, no problem, come in." I'll, I'll actually lift some weights. Um, realistically, lifting the weights is a very small proportion of, of what will actually make them any better. Um, but um, 
but yeah, and, and I guess that's, you know, that's a big reason why online personal training works so well because on, with online personal training, you know, it, it's a lot easier. You're not getting paid for the amount of hours that that person is, is actually training with you one-to-one. You're getting paid um, for the results that that person gets. Um, the next key point I want you to understand um and to consider when when thinking about weight loss is you need to be tracking progress visually and you need to be accountable for as many things as you can be accountable for now you need to track your progress visually this, this the best way i think to do this is with a graph so picture this on a piece of paper down the y axis you should have, uh, so draw a graph, so, you know, uh, obviously vertical line down, horizontal line to create a a corner, a big L, and down the y-axis should be body weight. Um, Find an appropriate range which starts at your kind of goal weight and tops out at about 2% more than you are currently, and down the x-axis is a date range which starts at um, you know today's date or this Monday's date, whatever it might be, and continues for each Monday um, all the way through. Then weigh yourself every single morning at the same time of the day, before you take a shower, um, before you eat, before you drink, but after your morning toilet duties. Once you have this weight every single morning, jot it down, in the calendar or on a notepad and repeat this for every single day of the week. Then at the end of each week, take an average of all of those weights in in the week. So basically add all the weights together and divide by seven days and plot this number on a graph. Um, And to make sure you stay on track, um, don't let, you know, but what this does is it makes you stay on track, but it doesn't, it makes sure you don't do it too quickly, um, you know, and, and lose weight too aggressively. Um, you could even go one step further and draw, draw kind of like an optimal line in a red pen. Um, and this is what I've done before, which is like follows a trend of about half kilo a week. So for example, um, if, in four weeks, you wanted to lose two kilos, then obviously, I mean, you know, hopefully you've got a goal which is a lot longer term than that. But if in in four weeks you wanted to lose four kilos, um, sorry, two kilos, then you would need to average half kilo a week, and that would be about you know on the on the cusp of the maximum in which you can you know weight loss wise that I would um i would advise <clears throat> so you could draw that red red line on half a kilo a week you could pl- plot your weights add them all up put them in the uh in each week and make sure that you're tracking around some weeks will be slightly slower weight loss than that some weeks will be slightly faster weight loss than that but on average you should be following that trend if you are losing weight two weeks on a bounce too quickly, then obviously you need to think about eating a little bit more. If you're not losing weight quick enough, then obviously you need to think about eating a little bit less. But if you drop that down in a visual representation, then you can be a lot more accountable to how you're losing weight, how quickly you're losing weight, and manipulating it as you go. Because if, if you don't weigh yourself, ultimately, you're not going to know how you're going. And I mean, there's one thing to be said for standing in front of the mirror and looking at yourself every day, seeing how things change, but those changes, those visual changes are so slow that you won't notice it um, unless you, you know, you take longer term pictures. And I think if you step on the scales every day and, and, and like I say, get an average over the week, that's definitely the best, best way to track. And then taking it one step further, like I say, and getting a, a line representation of what that weight's doing is definitely the best, um, best way forward. Um, so yeah, so be accountable to, to the weight and, um, and track it visually. Another big, big topic, which I did talk about in previous podcast is sleep. 
Sleep is absolutely critical for weight loss. Do not underappreciate how important sleep is for weight loss. The shorter you sleep, the more you will eat and the more weight you will gain. Absolute solid statement there. There are two very important hormones involved with controlling appetite, which are leptin and ghrelin. Leptin provides a signal telling our minds we are full. Ghrelin does the opposite and produces a strong urge to eat. Numerous scientific studies have clearly shown that inadequate sleep decreases levels of leptin and increases levels of ghrelin. And as a result, we less likely to feel full and we are more likely to still feel hungry if we have had an inadequate sleep. Very important subject area. You need to get an appropriate amount of sleep if you're trying to lose weight. Very, very important. But also, another very, very key point to this is that shorter sleep leads to cravings for more calorific foods. Again, numerous studies have shown that sleep-deprived people have more likely to adopt um, to opt for more kind of calorific foods than those who sleep adequately. Um, and studies have been shown that that kind of cravings for sugary food carb-rich foods and salty snacks like crisps all increase by roughly 30-40% when sleep is reduced by just you know several hours a night. We're talking about the difference here between six hours a night or eight hours a night, you know, and, and it can suddenly go up by 30-40%. And I found that personally. So for example, um, one example in my lifestyle is you know, as I've talked about before in this podcast, I'm a very good sleeper. Typically, I'm in bed by nine o'clock at night and I'm waking up at six o'clock in the morning. I get nine hours most days. But now and again, I'll do an evening race, evening cyclocross race, evening crit, whatever it might be, which might be at half, seven, eight at night. And I'm not home by 10. And I'm not, you know, because of all the adrenaline going on in my system and the caffeine in my system, I'm probably not asleep until the early hours of the morning. I'm still up. I'm still up early because my body clock wakes me up early, and and thus those those um, kind of one-off nights, I might only get four, five, six hours sleep. The day after, I do subconsciously go for more sugary, um, higher calorie foods without even thinking about it. Um, and, and it's amazing, like I see it happening and because I know it happens, I can start noticing it, but it's amazing those days where, you know, towards the end of the day, I'm feeling a bit groggy. I feel like I need to pick me up. So you, you, you're very, uh, it's very easy to reach for these, these time of snacks. Um, short sleep will increase hunger and appetite. It will compromise um, impulse control with the brain and it will increase food consumption especially kind of like say high calorie foods it decreases feelings of food satisfaction after eating and prevents the effective weight loss when dieting it's very 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 important that you get good sleep um, if you're trying to lose a bit of weight one of the next little things I'm just going to mention is um, the importance of measuring what you can. Now, what I'm not going to start ranting on about in this podcast is how everyone should weigh their food, put log it on my fitness pal and so on, because I don't necessarily think that's going to be right for everybody. It's very time consuming. And although it can be very beneficial and is very beneficial for a lot of people you kind of want to you want to leave that to like um a last minute you know uh the last resort kind of thing you want to do as much as you possibly can 
as in the simplest way possible to try and lose weight before you get down to weighing every last little thing that you eat, logging it on my fitness pal and, and counting every single calorie. Now, but what I would advocate for most people is weighing things that you have on a regular basis. Now, for that, for example, if you have a bowl of porridge in the morning and you just, you know, pour it into the bowl by eye um, and have no idea how much porridge you're having, you just pour it in by eye and and um, and then stick your milk in and, and stick it in the microwave. That is an incredibly easy thing which you could weigh. If you've got some kitchen scales on the side of your kitchen, before you put pour the porridge oats into the bowl put the bowl on the scales zero the scales and then pour the oats in the first time you do that just see roughly how many oats you have out of curiosity if you have for example just by eye 80 grams of porridge oats then you've got a number which you can mark off and you can stick to and you can quantify each time rather than going by eye so that you know that you know, every time you have 80 grams. But also what it means is that if you are trying to lose a little bit of weight, that is a way in which you can start to try and strip that back a little bit. If you got, an, you know, a, um, a, an accountable number, which you can try and, which you know you have on average every single morning, you knock that 80, 80 grams down to 60 grams, you're already creating a little bit of a, a net loss there if you also for example switch your green top cow's milk for almond milk you've also knocked off about 100 calories in that breakfast and so on and then you know you can quite quickly understand how you know 30 calories here 100 calories there 50 calories there will soon start to equate to 300 400 calories in a day which will soon start stripping off weight now a few numbers out there just so you've got a rough understanding and again this goes for most individuals it will not apply to the outliers who are um you know sub 60 kilos or plus 100 kilos for example but for most people who are anywhere between 65 kilos and you know 85 90 kilos um i would say that covers most people listening to this podcast if you are trying to lose weight um like i say anywhere between 300 grams and 500 grams weight loss per week is appropriate how you do that is by progressively having a consistent calorie deficit every week that calorie deficit needs to be roughly on average 300 to 500 calories per day compared to what you're currently having as like a maintenance calories so by maintenance calories what we mean is the amount of calories that you have on average per day to maintain your body weight if that is at the minute 3000 calories for example then you need to start cutting that down by about 300 to 500 calories. So 2,500, 2,700 calories, for example. Um, now, you know, I've just sung out some, some numbers there. There's many online calculators that you can use to work out what your maintenance calories are. There's many online calculators to work out um, what your BMR is and so on and how you should work that out. Some of those calculators... Um, are wrong some of those calculators uh, tell you the wrong things um so you need to take them with a pinch of salt and and hence why you know going for a, a proper nutritional coach is is a very wise decision but um but yeah going forward that that's the kind of things you want to be considering um like i say as a last resort you want to be weighing everything that you're eating tracking every single thing that you're putting inside your mouth including the sugar in your cup of tea including the handful of nuts that you're snacking on whatever it might be um and putting that into my fitness pal because then you will know exactly how many calories you're consuming in a day and then you will know how you are gonna 
kind of start to see that little bit of um, a, a loss, how are you actually going to cut back? Um, you know, you can work out, right, this is exactly how many calories I'm having now. I know I need to have three to 400 calories less on average per day. This is how I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to have, you know, take out a slice of toast here. I'm going to knock back from 100 grams of porridge to 80 grams of porridge. I'm going to have um, our milk instead of cow's milk, for example, and so on. And suddenly, you know, you'll start to see those calories dripping off and you and you start to lose weight. Um, but yeah, what you kind of want to, you want to get away with the least possible for the maximum output. So for example, you can weigh your porridge oats in the morning. You can start to weigh the amount of pasta that you have in a pasta dish. You can weigh the amount of cereal that you have. Um, and then you can obviously be... Uh, you can track those things first and see if you can start to cut back on a few of those elements without going through the whole rigmarole of, you know, every time you make a fresh curry, weighing the amount of spices, weighing the amount of oil, weighing the amount of this and that. The last point I'll make on this podcast before I close it up, because I want to kind of get keep it under the hour, is that be very mindful, be very critical of high calorie foods. Now, it's hard for you to understand what high calorie foods are unless you have used my my fitness pal before or unless you have been very stringent and be very very good at reading the back of boxes and, and labels on on foods but certain foods certain meals are unbelievably high calories and you don't even know it <laughs> so for example one example that just come off the top of my head granola Granola should be oats, you know, few nuts, um, few seeds, a little bit of fruit. You know, it sounds healthy and you can make your own granola, which is fairly healthy, fairly low calorie, fairly low sugar and so on. If you buy granola from the shop, from a supermarket, I'm not going to name any brands, but if you were to buy, you know, a, a, a very commonly known brand brand, whatever it might be, um, I can guarantee you, you will be amazed by how high calories some of these are. Um, to think about some t like uh, rough arbitrary numbers off the top of my head, if you were to have, for example, 50 grams of Rice Krispies, that would be the equivalent with milk of roughly, to be honest, this is probably slightly wrong, roughly 300 calories. Um, with whole milk. If you were to have the same grams, 50 grams of granola with the same milk, that would be, I promise you, at least double the calories, six to 700 calories, 800 calories, easy in some brands. Because not only is it oats, not only is it, um, you know, uh, high calorie nuts in there, but they also um, stick a lot of sugar in there, a lot of maple syrup in there, a lot of honey in there, things like that, sugar, sugary stuff. But also they bind it with lots of different vegetable oils, lots of different fats. And it's all stuff that is very, very calorie dense. That's one example off the top of my head. But there's also obviously other examples such as nut butters. If you're trying to lose weight, keep nut butter away from you because, you know, these calorie dense um, spreads, these nut butter spreads, they're very, very easy to consume. Um, and, you know, you've taken a piece of toast, which is 150 calories or whatever it might be. You spread some peanut butter on that and you've made it a bloody 400 calorie piece of toast, whatever it might be. Um, you know, that they, they are very calorie dense uh, snacks. And realistically, yeah, although they're good in certain scenarios, if you get back from a ride and you need some easy calories, if you're on a weight loss journey and, and you're, you know, you, you've only got a certain amount of calories to try and consume in a day, that's not the type of way in which you want to be be taking on those calories. You want to be taking those on those calories in kind of, you know, um, you know, uh, meals which are are full of of many different micronutrients. Um, and that's a a little kind of extra point, I guess, is that the calories that you do consume in the day, um, as many as those foods want to come from leafy greens, uh, lots of array of different vegetables 
different plants, um, different colors, different textures. Fill your plate with um, as much of those veg vegetables and micronutrients as, as you can because the more of that type of thing you can um, get in your diet, um, the more fiber in your diet, um, the more full you'll feel and the healthier you'll be. And, um, and ultimately, um, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be best for your health. If you have, if you're on a weight loss journey and you're restricting calories and you've got a, you know, a plate sat in front of you, what's going to make you feel happier? What's going to make you feel more full? Um, a small portion of plain pasta with a, with half a can of tuna on it, which equates to 500 calories or whatever it might be, or a huge bowl of mixed Mediterranean vegetables, roasted vegetables, um, with some turkey and some, you know, quinoa or some whatever, couscous, whatever that one might be, thinking of lots of different kind of fairly low calorie, uh, high micronutrients foods. Um, you know, they might equate to the same amount of calories. One of them is, is absolutely bursting, bursting, <clears throat> bursting the plate, you know, um, spilling over the edge of the plate because it's really, um, you know, uh, high, high micronutrient profile, um, and, and low calorie compared to the other. Um, you know, one, one is bland and, and gives you what you need, but nothing else being the pasta and the tuna. And one, one fills you, fills you up a lot more, um, is, is, is full of lots of different vitamins and minerals. And, um, and yeah, you'll be, you'll be chewing on it a lot longer than the other one. So, um, so that's one, one of the, one key point to make is just to, to fill your plate with as much as that as possible. I'm going to round the podcast off there. I've given you a few key points, a few key points to consider. Um, I've dispelled hopefully a few myths and considerations that you've had and any more questions you've got on it please drop me a message on any of my social media channels i'd be happy to answer and if i don't answer you back straight away what i will do is i'll answer it in a question uh question answer thing in another podcast thank you very much for listening and see you again next time